This is a Visual Audio Times production. Hello and welcome to Imole, your go-to mental health, wellness and spirituality podcast. I am your host, Pelumi. Thank you for hitting play on this episode. Please make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts or wherever you stream your podcast so you don't miss out on new episodes. Also, follow Imole on Instagram and Twitter at Imole the Pod. Before we start today's episode, I'd like for us to calm our nerves with a short meditation exercise. Follow the sound of my voice. Breathe in slowly. Breathe out slowly. So today we'll be talking about grief and the grieving process with the lovely Valerie. Valerie is a psychologist at Private Mirrors, which is a private practice based in Abuja, Nigeria. She has about five years working experience in the mental health field and currently caters to groups and individuals struggling with grief, depression, anxiety and existential crises. She also works with various organizations for employee wellness programs in providing mental health and support to staff. Welcome to the show, Valerie. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having us. (laughs) So just tell us more about where to find you on social media and just more of what you do with private um, mirrors, just so our audience can know. Okay, um, well, you can find me on Instagram at private.mirrors. Um, you can send me an email if you want to book a session or just make inquiries at hello mind wellness at private mirrors.com. At private mirrors, at what? What am I saying? <laughs> hello mind wellness at private mirrors.com. Yes. So those are the two main places that you can find me or reach out to me. Or actually, you can place a call through um, 080-911-46599. I mostly work with anxiety, depression, grief, existential crisis. Sometimes I work with um, people who are just struggling with stress and trauma but my main cases are depression, anxiety, grief, and existential crisis. Yes, that's me. Okay, thank you. I'm sure after this episode, a lot of people will reach out to you, hopefully. So, going on. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, we are all familiar with grief. I mean, most of us have lost someone or lost something dear to us. It could be the end of a relationship. It could be mm. the end of... Um, Maybe time doing something, as we know, maybe a dream. Some people have always nurtured a dream. And then maybe once once they hit 30, they, don't, they no longer want to do it. So I also feel like there's a grieving process for those things that we never talk about. And that's why I have you here today, because you're here to break down everything that has to do with grief, you know. Yes. And so 
let's just start by explaining the main difference between grieving and mourning. Okay. Um, they're actually practically the same thing. Um, people tend to use it interchangeably. But when we talk about grief, we are simply talking about a reaction to the loss of something or someone. And mourning is equally the same, the expression or the way you express um, your loss um, or deal with your loss. Um, And when we talk about grief, a lot of the times, like you rightly said, people talk about, um, you know, loss as a result of death when you lose someone that has passed away. But grief is so broad because we experience grief in various aspects of our lives, transitions, relationships, um, and so on and so forth. So grief does not only have to do with losing someone as a result of death, but just losing anything. It could be your identity. It could be your identity as a result of maybe a traumatic experience, um, as a result of a relationship um, that maybe just ended be it friendship or romantic relationship, um, there's just a process that you tend to go through that is similar or equal to losing someone um, that has passed away. Yeah. So let, I want to just ask something. This is kind of personal. So for the loss okay. of a friendship, what if it's... Um, what if you lose a friend and maybe no the friend did not die you guys are just not really as close as you were and it wasn't like a major fight or anything and it was just something that just had to end and then maybe a part of you feels guilty for being such a people pleaser and not wanting to let go will you say grieving is thinking about the person a lot because I know I've experienced this and I know other people have as well and some people just don't want to admit it. But sometimes you probably don't want to continue a rela- relationship, but you still mm-hmm. grieve, like you still go through that process. Mm-hmm. Is that normal? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. 110% very normal. And like you said, we don't like to acknowledge that, right? Friendship is such an integral part of life in general, right? Your community of people um, make up who you are. I like to say the people around you, the people that you regard as loved ones, be it family or friends. So if something has happened and you decide, um, well, maybe we've just outgrown each other or whatever the case is, this friendship is just not working anymore. It doesn't matter. That person has been a part of your life for a certain amount of time or a certain period of time. So it's very normal that you grieve that person. Now, in grieving the person, some people might be saying, I had God forbid, nobody died, right? But when, when we say grieving, you are reacting to the loss of that person. You're reacting to the fact that this person is no longer going to be a part of my life. This person is no longer going to be a part of important events or situations in my life. Maybe this person was your go-to person to talk, to cry, to gist, whatever the case may be. And the friendship is ending. You're you're going to grieve that person, whether you choose to acknowledge it or not, whether you choose to admit it or not. So yes, it's absolutely normal that you're thinking about the person, that you're missing the person. It's all part of the grieving process. Hmm. 
Thank you for clarifying that because I just wanted to add the whole friendship thing. We actually underestimate how important friendships are. Like some of yeah. us have friends that last through many romantic relationships and we wonder why yeah. when you lose that friend and let's say that friend just stops talking to you, it's a little fight. You, your ego doesn't want to admit that, oh my God, I really miss this person, even though I don't want the person in my life anymore. No, yeah. I think it's just yeah. normal part of things. So can you please like explain the different physical and emotional symptoms that most people face while grieving? Yes. Um, so I want to start by pointing out that even in, in mentioning some of these symptoms or experiences, it is very, very specific to you as the individual, um, because especially in this part of the world, they sort of teach us how to grieve. And when I say that, I mean, um, when we look at different cultures, there's a specific way you're told to maybe you have to go and shave your head and cry for 20 days or, you know, just not cry as a man, whatever the case is. But grieving is very, very specific to you as the individual. Um, for some people physically, you would find that maybe you're not sleeping anymore as, as much as you used to. Um, or as long as you used to, um, you're not eating as much as you maybe would want to eat. Um, you're not interacting with anybody. There's no form of socialization whatsoever. You're unable to focus, you're unable to concentrate or do any form of work. If you're a student, any form of um, studying or what have you, um, you're just unable to do the things that you would normally do. I like to term that as functionality. So your ability to go about your day-to-day -day life is just being disorganized, right? Um, emotionally, you're, for some people, the feeling is so overwhelming to the point where they just feel numb. And they're unable to cry or do anything, right? And you would see such people and think, oh, this person is so heartless. You know, um, someone has passed away or you've lost your friend or you're not talking to this person anymore. You're not in this relationship anymore. And you're just, you're not even crying. You're not reacting anyway. No, sometimes it's just so overwhelming that they don't know how to express the emotion. And unfortunately, most of us never learned how to express certain emotions or just emotions in general growing up, right? And so we tend to just feel numbness. Um, sometimes as well, you find that you feel a lot of anger, anger towards um, people around you, anger towards um, the situation, maybe if it's someone that passed away, you're angry towards the system. If the person was in the hospital, maybe you're angry at, um, at yourself or maybe not even spending enough time with the person. There's, there's a form of guilt that just overwhelms you that um, maybe you start to tell yourself, oh, I'm a, I'm a terrible friend, I'm a terrible daughter or son or, or whatever, what have you, right? Um, so it tends to manifest in different ways, but the major thing I like to look out for or therapists in general would look out for is functionality. How are you functioning? And sometimes it's hard to even detect because you find that people are functioning quite well. You know, they're going about their day to day. Um, they are 
going to work, going to school, interacting with people. Um, but then if just in the little things, you find that they're not sleeping properly. Um, you find that they're isolated, right? Or you find that they're they're overeating. You know, they indulge themselves in maybe even risky behaviors, right? They're smoking a lot, indulging in sex more than they usually would. Um, so sometimes it's just in the little things and it's important that we pay attention, right? You know yourself more than anybody else in the world would. So it's important that you pay attention to yourself as a person and notice what you're doing that's different or what you're not doing um, um, and that maybe what is different from what you would usually do on a day-to-day, right? So the main thing here is the way you choose to breathe is very subjective and very personal to you. However, we want to be sure that you're grieving in a healthy way. When I say healthy way, we, are sh- we want to be sure that you're not engaging in any sort of risky behaviors, just suppress all the emotions that come with grieving or just to be a man like we like to see in this part of the world or just to be strong. I need to be strong. I need to be strong for my family. I need to be strong for my friends. Okay, yes, you can do that, but in a healthy way. I hope I didn't digress. (laughs) No, not at all. I just kept quiet because I wanted you to say everything. I mean, like the whole numbing thing, numbing Mm -hmm. yourself i feel like that's the most prevalent one in our society and this whole idea that you have to be strong first of all it's mostly the woman you see crying i mean that one Mm -hmm. is already a universal thing it's mostly the woman you see crying let's say if there is a loss there's someone dies or something but at the same time i also find that even with women as well there's just this need to be to throw yourself into something and try to forget and a good example Mm -hmm. is when people are going through a heartbreak um, yeah. let's say they just lost a loved one, not lost loved one to death, but a breakup, mm-hmm. right? So they just yeah. lost a relationship. You find that some people just become workaholics and they just mm-hmm. work, 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 work. And it's always this mentality of, um, I can do bad by myself. I don't need anybody, not all these things, but money will never leave me, blah, blah, blah. And you know, those <laughs> things, we say those things and it's kind of true. Yes. Invest your time and energy into improving on yourself. But at the same time, you're numbing yourself. It's okay to cry. You don't have to pretend to have everything together and just be chasing the bag. Hashtag bag. That's the only way you'll be. When I see things like that, I think because I've also been in a state whereby I felt, oh, if these men won't do right by me, I'll do this, I'll do that. And I just thought it was a very empty place to be because you can go on the same path and keep repeating the same mistakes because you're not giving yourself time to grieve so when you said numbing I just wanted to mention that like that that mm-hmm. is a very important point for me yeah you're right 100% yeah yeah so like I always hear there are different stages like of grief like angers acceptance different ones like what are the stages mm-hmm. and do they always follow a particular order in every person or it's just yes different, you know, stages that different people go through at different times? Mm-hmm. So, no, they do not follow a specific order. Um, these, again, these are just things um, for people to just be aware that if you find yourself experiencing this, you know that, okay, this is just part of the process and it's okay. And, you know, you're not abnormal or you're not weird that, 
you're dealing or experiencing this this emotion in in grief. So the different stages, five stages of grief, um, is the very popular one. The other, uh, what's the word now? The other ways people tend to group you know, how you, you experience or go through grief. But the, the most popular is the five stages of grief, which um, is denial, where you find that because of shock or because you just can't believe this has happened, you've lost someone to death or this relationship has ended or um, a disaster has happened or some sort of trauma has happened because you just cannot believe it and you're in shock and your whole system is in shock, you tend to just go into this denial phase where it's like, no, it's not possible. It's not. If, if it's someone that has lost someone by death, you're like, no, my mom is coming back tomorrow. No, my dad, no, 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 it's not possible. It's just not possible, right? You're just in this constantly denying and refusing to even address the fact of, or, or focus on the fact that this is really happening. And unfortunately, people tend to get stuck in this phase. I've worked with clients where two, three years down the line, they just tell themselves, oh, my mom has gone somewhere else, you know, um, and she's just refusing to come back. That's that. They're still in that phase of refusing to accept that it's really, they're really gone. They're just not here anymore. And then we have anger, Right. Where, like I mentioned earlier, you are angry at yourself, at the world, sometimes months or a year down the line, you're like you're angry at the fact that everybody else has moved on from the fact that you just lost someone or you've just lost a relationship or something important to you. And you're still here and you're just angry. Like, can you guys not see the fact that this loss is very, very important? How are you just moving on with your life? Right. So you're just angry at everything and everyone and the system and God. And you find that some for for people who are um, Christians or Muslim or whatever faith you believe in, you just start to question God. Like, why would God do this to me? Right. If you've been in a relationship for five, seven, ten years, a long time and it ends all of a sudden, you're questioning God. I thought, you know, you told me I would end up with the love of my life. And this was the love of my life. What's happening? You're questioning everything and everyone. You're angry at everything. Right. And then we have bargaining where you start to bargain with yourself. You start to question um, bargain with something for 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 someone who's who's passed away. You're saying, okay, maybe I just need to um, be a good girl or a good boy, or maybe if I do this and this and this, this person is going to come back. Or for someone who has lost a relationship. Maybe if I just form small, this person will start to miss me and come back to me. Or maybe if I just do this A, A B, C, um, the friendship is going to go back to what it used to be. Right. You're bargaining. It's like you're trying to trade something off just so um, you you deal with this thing properly or just so you um the, the denial there is is it's almost like you you want to confirm that really this relationship hasn't ended or you haven't lost this person right and then we have uh, depression where 
everything just comes crashing down and you are crying and you are isolating and you're not eating and you're not socializing and you're not sleeping and you are just, you just want to be in bed um, 24-7. For some people, you you would even find that it's not even a case of wanting to be in bed 24-7. Life is, just feels hopeless, right? Nothing makes sense anymore. There's no meaning to life anymore. It's like, what is the point of being here? And it gets to the point where they begin to um, have suicidal ideation, where it's like, well, if this is all there is to life, then what, what, why am I here? I might as well just go as well, right? Um, so they just sink into that dark hole of depression. And then we have the last one, which is acceptance. Now, acceptance, a lot of times people think acceptance just means, okay, um, I've accepted the fact that this person is gone, this person is no longer in my life, and all is well. No, acceptance is actually a... a it's a form of integration, right? Where it's like, I've accepted the fact that this loss has happened. I've acknowledged it. I'm accepting it means I am starting to think of what life would be like without this person. So I am becoming intentional about um, how do I begin to reintegrate, for lack of a better word, into society? How do I begin to um, go on dates again? How do I begin to make friends again or um, harness the friendships, I, the remaining friendships that I have? Or how do I begin to go about life planning on my own now, especially if maybe you've lost a parent or somebody that you were really dependent on emotionally, financially? What does that look like for me? What does it look like for me to um start a new career path maybe, right? So that is what acceptance means, is accepting, acknowledging the loss and then being intentional about choosing to go on with this loss in your life. So those are the five stages of grief and it's not linear in any way. For some people, they can start out accepting. For some people, they can start out um, in anger. Some people start out depression, denial, right? It's not a, not a linear process. You can start out at any stage. And unfortunately, if it's not processed properly, if you do not grieve properly, if you do not allow yourself to feel all of the emotions, allow yourself to feel, I like to call it a roller coaster of emotions. If you don't allow yourself to go up and down and left and right, then you find yourself feeling stuck. You're unable to move. And that's where you find that it becomes complicated grief. Right? So yeah, th those are the um, five stages of grief. Yeah. So is it possible, like you said something about being stuck. Is it possible to be stuck in one phase for the longest time possible? I mean, because yes. you said stuff about how people can be in denial for um, two years, even about death. Like mm -hmm. it, that is a very dark place to be. Yeah, know what I mean. And I and I feel I've seen um instances of when people lose their kids, because no, I mean obviously losing parents that is hard, but it's like the natural order of things. Your parents will leave before you, but when people lose their children, especially when people lose their children to things like suicide or just like random freak accidents, it really you find out that they stay very very stuck in that place for the longest time and they can't really accept it. And I've heard of cases whereby 
um, the people go on acting like their children are there and then they completely lose their minds, like still talking to the children or still cooking for them when they're no longer there, if you get what I mean. Yeah. Have you encountered such cases? Um, yeah, so like the example I gave of, of um, a client I had a couple of years back, she lost her mom. It wasn't a child, right? But she lost her mom and she was stuck in that phase of denial. And for someone who has lost their child, it's it's absolutely normal that they would... It's it's hard. It's I can't even put it into words. It's difficult to lose someone. Talk less of a child. It's very hard. The and I say it very lightly when I talk about oh it's a roller coaster of emotions, but really when you're feeling it, it's a whole different ballgame. It doesn't look like or feel like there's even a way out. It's like the your your whole world has come crumbling down, right? So it's it's not uncommon, right, that you would see somebody being stuck. Um, in a stage that they're unable to move past it, right? This is why we always say the moment you realize that it's getting really hard for you to do, seek help. We don't say it lightly, seek help. And we don't, when therapists or psychologists talk about seeking help, it's not just about, oh, I just I want to go and see a therapist. I want to go and see a therapist. No, it's because we know that it's it's easier that we begin to deal with it at an early stage than it is to deal with it in a longer stage. It doesn't mean it's impossible to get out of, but it's just, it's easier to work with when it's in an early stage. So yes, it, it definitely happens where people are just stuck because it's a really hard emotion to deal with. And unfortunately, because we're, we're all different people, right? So the way you choose to um, feel and experience, it goes down to a number of factors, your personality, um, how you grew up, your environment, what you saw and all of that, right? So you find that some people are more prone to being extra sensitive, right? And in, in, in being that, it's, it's just, it's harder for you because you feel everything like 200% more, right? You feel things and your emotions, a very intense level, right? So everyone is different in how everyone chooses to feel and how everyone chooses to um, grieve and experience things is, is, like I said earlier, very, very subjective. So when you find that people are stuck in a phase or in a stage of grief, it's, it's not surprising, really. Hmm. Thank you for clarifying that. Um, what do you say to someone who is grieving really badly and who is dealing with a loss? Let's say they're mourning the loss of someone very close to them. Usually you find people say things like, um, and I've shared this with you, things that I personally hate, like God knows best, this and that. And I mean, it seems like a logical thing to say from your own perspective, if you're not the person who's grieving. But yeah. to someone who has just lost a child, you can't be saying the Lord gives and the Lord takes. Like, I personally will slap someone. <laughs> Do you get what I mean? Like, I, because I can, it's, it's a very crazy thing to say to someone. So how will you say is the right way to be there for someone who's grieving? someone you love that is going through that process, how do you support them? So the key word there is support. And sometimes words are just not enough. I like to really emphasize this. Words sometimes are just not enough. 
And in saying that, the right words, again, sometimes just doesn't exist. So in supporting someone that is grieving or mourning is really just to be there. Your presence, you have no idea how much your presence makes such a huge difference. Your presence in just being there, hugging them, listening, sometimes silence. And it's an uncomfortable thing, really, for you to just sit down and be silent with someone. But just your presence is enough, right? Ensuring that they are okay in terms of just the everyday things um, that they need to do. Because you find that sometimes it gets to the point where people aren't able to take care of themselves. They just don't want to shower. They don't want to brush their teeth. They don't want to just do anything. Their grooming is just out the window, Right. So just being there for them to ensure that some of these things are being done to ensure that they're eating, to ensure that they're okay, And personally. Right. So, I mean, I've had various experiences where even as a therapist, I don't know what to say to you. (laughs) Right. I don't know the words to say to really give you comfort. Right. And that's why you find that people easily go go towards saying, you know, God gives and God takes. And and they think they're fair. I really don't blame them. They think they're saying the right things. But this person is probably thinking, I don't want to hear that right now. I've lost someone dear to me. I do not want to hear God. And if you find that even sometimes hearing that is going to even make them get angry with God, the more. okay, you have given. Why did you take? Why did you take at this point in time? Even if, God, you're giving and you're taking, why at this point in time did you take this person, right? So there are no right words, honestly, to say to someone who's grieving. It's better that you simply be there for the person, support the person, hold the person's hands, hug the person, um, be silent with the person, sleep by the person, check on the person, how are you doing, how are you feeling, what can I do to make this better? I mean, really, you can't bring the person back, but how can I be of help? Do you need me to listen? Do you need me to do anything? It's asking, right? Because if you don't know the right words to say, then maybe asking them what they need would be would be a better way to go about it as opposed to just opening your mouth, wow, like this thing, right? And just talking. Ask them how <laughs> How can I be of help? What can I do? Right? Do you, do you need to cry? Do you need to like cry if you need to? Encourage them to let them know that it's fine. However, they're choosing to grieve, even if they're being silent, it's okay, right? Even if for for some people, I, I didn't mention this um, earlier, right? So people tend to categorize that people tend to grieve either lack of a better word, like emotionally or logically. Logically being, if it's uh, someone who is passed away by death, you find that they get very into planning the funeral, ensuring that, you know, everything is going okay, right? So it's important to allow people grief the way that they want to. And all you have to do is be there, ask questions and support them by just being there is what I would say. Yes, so understanding the person that's grieving is also quite important. Um, but unfortunately, you know, you can't really, you can't fully understand people um, and how they would choose to grieve. Um, I say this bearing a few 
people I've worked with in mind where on the outside they are perceived to be, you know, the strong ones and um, yeah, just the strong ones. And in session, all they want to do is break down and cry, but they can't do that. Right. Um, so really it's, it's just, just being there for the person, letting the person know that it's okay. It's okay. Whatever you're feeling, the anger, the sadness, the frustration, missing the person, it is absolutely okay. That's really the only way or one of the ways you can be there for someone who's grieving. Um, your support system, your community of people is so, so, so important. I say this bearing in mind someone who has um, just ended a relationship or a friendship, right? Um, it's, it's hard sometimes. And for people who choose to acknowledge it, the kind of people you choose to surround yourself with is very important, right? Do you have, you want to ask yourself if you have that friend, you can just call and sob, just call and vent and scream and send a voice note without them being judgmental and all of that. So your support system in going through a grieving process is, is very, very, very important. I can't even emphasize that enough. So, yeah. That's good. Um, I was also thinking, mm-hmm. can we just say that it's, it should just not be normalized to say be strong to people when they're grieving? Because you said something about the strong person wanting to cry the most. And I don't really like this whole idea of, you know how we say, oh, this person is strong. They're the yeah. backbone. I feel like oftentimes those are just the people who know how to act like they have it together more than the rest of us. It doesn't mean they are stronger than us. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I, I would definitely tell everyone who's listening not to say be strong to people while they're grieving or while they're crying or you be man, you're a man, be strong, mm-hmm. suck it up, mm-hmm. you know, or even when it's a relationship, life goes on. It's, yeah. it's Sometimes it's just too soon to say those things. I can't call you about a breakup that happened yesterday and then you tell me today that ah, life goes on. Of course it goes on, but yeah. I, I feel like we should learn to be more empathetic if you're in that person's position is that what you want to hear exactly and unfortunately what that does um in general like as a society what that does to such people is encourage them without even realizing it right is encourage them to not be their authentic selves and then you find that you're putting up different personalities or you're putting up um, different acts for different people. It becomes a norm for you because you just want to show up as what everybody else wants you to show up as, as opposed to showing up as yourself, yourself who is broken right now, yourself who is hurting right now, who is sad. I just want to show up as that person and I want you to see me as that person and be okay with it. But unfortunately, society has put in such a way that, you know, it's cooler or better for you to be that strong person. It's more admirable for you to be that strong person. And goodness, even as I'm speaking, I'm thinking of all thousands of other people, um, um, people in, in positions of power that I've had to work with who, because they have to be seen as that strong person, refuse 
to acknowledge their emotions, refuse to be sad, refuse to feel because they have associated that with weakness. So I agree with you in saying, let us normalize not having to say to people all the time, be strong, right? Strength, I mean, again, I I guess it also depends on what do you regard as strength, right? Because if being strong to you means not showing feelings and emotions, that's not strength. That's not strength. We have those moments where we feel like, okay, I need to, I need to work on this or I need to focus on this and I need to maybe, in quotes, be strong to pull through this. But on the other hand, I want us to know that even in doing that, let that not be your way of living Right. It's important that you you know you have at the back of your mind that even in doing that, I can come back home. I can um, have friends around me that I can break down to. Right. Let strength not be a norm and a facade for living. I think is what I would say. Right. So I think to anyone listening out there, you want to question what you regard as strengths. Ask yourself, when I tell somebody to be strong, what am I referring to? When I tell myself to be strong, what am I referring to? Am I referring to, am I telling myself to put up an act till the day I die? Or am I telling myself, okay, let's push through this thing or this situation and let's come back and break down. Let's come back and cry. Let's come back. Let's call this person and talk to this person. Let's be vulnerable with this person. If that's your idea of strength, that's fine. But if your idea of strength is putting up a facade, not being authentic, not expressing emotions, not expressing feelings, then you really want to question and reevaluate what strength is to you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you said grief is a very complicated process, which it is. How does someone help themselves through now? Not somebody else. Let's say they are grieving and they've gone through the process whereby, you know, at first when someone dies, there are people over in your house mourning with you and everything for a period of time. But then it goes back to a certain period whereby everything is meant to be normal again. You're meant to move on with your life. You really don't have people in your house for that long. So how does someone help themselves through this process? And at what point should they say, okay, I really am struggling. Maybe I need professional help. Mm -hmm. Again, it goes back to functionality with everybody gone with the entire community, not being around you with life supposedly going back to normal. How are you dealing? How are you when you get up in the morning, do you just feel like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to deal with life. I don't want to face the world. Um, when you're at work, are you able to focus? Are you able to do your task? Um, so first, it's, it's really, it, I think it comes down to self-awareness. I'm a huge advocate for self-awareness. If you've ever heard me speak, you know I'm always talking about self-awareness, right? So it's knowing and understanding yourself first to be able to acknowledge when an emotion or a situation or a feeling or whatever, the process is becoming too difficult. So acknowledging it first, allowing yourself to go through the process, allow yourself, please and please, it's painful, yes, absolutely, but allow yourself feel all that you need to feel. 
allow yourself to go through the process. When in doing this, it becomes too difficult to deal or go through the process or to function, then you can say, okay, I, I think I really need help. I think I really need to speak to someone. So yeah, the, the main thing there is acknowledging and allowing yourself. Those are the, the main things um, that would help you go through the process. And in allowing yourself is um, identifying the little ways or the, the ways in which, you know, you're, you're able to function or you're unable to function is what I would say. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a really good answer. So it's like, if you're struggling yourself and let's say you have other people around you who are also going through the same loss, let's say you just lost a family member and other people around you too. You often realize that not only do you have to heal and go through it, you also have to um, be there for other people. And I know self-care is very important and self-awareness is important, but when do you draw the line? Like, how do you even deal with that? That's a, that's a really good question, actually, because thinking about it, so let's, let's say, for example, um, a family has lost maybe their dad or their mom. Your sibling, your, as much as you're grieving, your sister is grieving or your brother is grieving, um, but you then find yourself in a position where as much as you're grieving, you have to take care of other people and make sure that they're okay. The first thing I would say is to realize that you don't have to carry that burden on your own. I know, especially when it's a family situation, it's, it's almost like an automatic thing to just sometimes carry the weight on your head, but you don't have to carry it on your own. And I say that because you have to realize that you're not the only one grieving. So because we have such a culture of silence and not opening up and not expressing, you're carrying that burden on your own. Your sister is probably thinking, oh, I really need to be there for everybody else. Your brother is probably thinking the same. But if you all open up to each other, right, it becomes such a relief of carrying that weight because then you become a support system for each other. But if nobody is talking about how they're feeling, how they're coping, how they're going through it, then everybody feels like, I need to carry this weight on my own, right? So yes, self-care is important, but for you to even be able to um, care for yourself without feeling guilt, because guilt will come in play um, when you're not able to talk to anybody about it, right? Where it's just like, but I'm, I'm the one taking care of everybody. I'm the one that has to be, and look at me, I'm going to do self-care. I'm going to take a rest. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. No, but if you become such a support for each other, when you decide to care for yourself, everybody understands it. Now, that is not to say it's going to be rosy in every situation. There are going to be situations whereby nobody understands it. In that situation, I would say it doesn't matter because you're not able to give out of yourself if that self 
is absolutely shattered, if that self is absolutely tired, if that self is just debilitated or debilitating, just crumbling, right? So it's important that you take note of that and remind yourself because your brain is going to try and trick you and tell you, you have to be the strong person or you have to do this for everybody or you have to this, you have to that. No, take yourself out of that situation. Care for yourself. Rest if you need to. Um, do whatever it is that you need to to care for yourself and recharge, for lack of a better word. And then you can give yourself because you can't pour from an empty cup. I'm sure we hear this all the time, but really and truly, you cannot pour from, from, an, from an empty cup. <laughs> Bite my tongue. <laughs> you cannot, right? So it's important that first, right, there, there's so many options, right? So first things first is opening up to the people that you're grieving with. That way, it's easier for you to grieve together, for you to care for yourself and not feel guilty. And the second part is for people who are just not understanding and you will have those people, definitely uncles and extended family and friends who just don't get it, is take yourself away from that situation and care for yourself as much as you need to, for you to get to your optimum level of functioning. Yeah, that's what I'd say. Mm, yeah, that's a very good one. Definitely put yourself out, uh, care for yourself as you're caring for others by talking to them. Can you please share, let's say, a personal experience? I mean, it doesn't have to be too personal, whereby you've had to overcome. Is how do I? I'm trying to phrase this the right way. Where you've been through the grieving process and have come out of it, and how you were able to, you know facilitate this process on your own because not everyone can afford therapy or can go to a counselor. So what were things that you were able to do that helped you feel better? Okay. A personal experience. Let me see. Okay. Um, so for me, actually very recently last year, um, I went through a process where, um, I lost a friend, not by death. It just kind of went, two separate ways and it was hard for me um initially didn't even want to accept it but I got to the point where I had to acknowledge it first of all I had to really sit down and think of the friendship the part and the role that it had played in my life and what that would mean for me moving forward with this friend no longer being there in doing that to sort of pushed me into this phase of now properly grieving. Like, okay, this person is not going to be a part of my life anymore. It's sad. It brought about emotions of anger. It brought about emotions of frustration. What about emotions of feeling like I don't have any friends because this person was really close, but really I did have friends, right? I did have really close other close friends, but it just felt really shattering that this person was no longer going to be a part of my life. So the first thing I did was acknowledge this fact. I prior to acknowledging, I went through that whole ego driven process of I don't care, I beg, I beg, life goes on, please remove, like we like to say. But really for me to be able to move on and just continue to enjoy my life. I had to just acknowledge that, you know what? I did love this person as a friend for years. This person was a huge part of my life. And 
she is no longer going to be a part of my life and my processes. And you know what? That's okay. It's sad. It's heartbreaking, but it's fine. The other thing was to harness, and I think I mentioned this earlier, the community that I had, the friends that I had, the friendships that I had. I talked about it all the time. And it goes to show that it's important to have the right people around you because for someone who isn't just the right friend or right person around you, you'd find that they'll be like, auntie, it's okay now. You've talked about this thing how many times? But I needed to vent and to rant and to talk and to talk. And I did that, right, with the right friends and as time went on, it just got to the point where, you know, it started to reduce, okay, it has happened, and so on and so forth. So community of people, friendships, family, your support system, very important, because that really, really, really helped me, really helped me. Um, I recently also just, I lost my grandma about a couple of weeks ago, and Initially, it was numbness, um, but seeing my siblings and my mom and dad cry just really broke me down as well. And this is what I was talking about when I talk about just realizing that you're not the only one grieving and just being that support to each other just really helped. Right. Um, And also not sitting sometimes, not not staying longer than you should in that feeling of sadness, right? And what I mean by this is go out, take a walk, you know, go visit a friend, watch a movie, do the things that um, you enjoy, the things that would bring a spark of joy in your life. Go shopping, you know, eat the food that make you feel good. I'm a foodie, so food was really one of the things that I indulged myself in, not overindulge, but indulge myself in. Um, so yeah, sometimes you just need to go outside of that feeling or go outside of that emotion to feel other emotion, to remind yourself that you can feel other emotions because sometimes it just tends to feel like, um, it tends to feel like, you know, there's no other emotion to feel like you just want to be sad. You just want to be angry and you just want to be frustrated. But there are other beautiful emotions to feel as well. Allow yourself to feel it. Those are the things that I did personally. Acknowledging, um, harnessing my friendships, harnessing my support with my family, um, eating, watching movies, um, going out with my friends, reminding myself that I still have a, you know, good, good friendships around me. Um, yeah, these are the things I did personally and it did help really, really did help. Yeah. Thank you for, for sharing. And I'm sorry about your grandma. Sorry for your loss. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. All right. So this is the last question. Cause I know I have to let you go now. Um, <laughs> Yes, this one. Let me just ask, and I know you use your discretion to answer, but is it possible for the bereaved person to ever be the same again? And I'm talking about a, I mean, for me to ask this question, it has to be like a very painful loss, you know, like, for example, losing a child, because usually we can often rationalize, oh, losing our parents, they were older, it's time to go, this, that. But that particular one, losing a child doesn't necessarily make, doesn't make sense in any way so it's like will you say someone that 
someone who's been through something so traumatic can ever be the same again? Okay, let me start by correcting you in saying that no pain or loss is worse than the other. Every single pain, whether it's a child or a parent, is equally, right? Remember we talked about pain and loss and your reaction to it being subjective. Now, a a mother losing a child and a child losing their parent, the pain is as intense as it can be, right? That's the first thing. Um, The second thing is, would they ever be the same? The short answer is no, right? And I say that because it changes you. It changes your outlook on life. It changes your perception. It changes sometimes personality, how how you choose to even interact with people. It changes you in the long run. Um, for some people, for the worse. For some people, I don't even want to say for the better. It, it really just changes you. So the short answer to that is no, you, you, you can't be the same. You really cannot be the same. I like to give the analogy of um, imagine, imagine you just you you've lived in a house for say ten years, and it's been the same set of couches and furnishings and all of that. And let's say one couch from the dining or one chair from the dining is removed. You may not notice initially, right? But when you keep going past it, you be like, you come back and be like, something is missing here, right? And even just think of anything in general, right? If you've placed something in a specific space, whether your room, your office, you've arranged it in a specific space, if it's not there anymore, you would know that it's not there, right? So a lot of times people feel like, you know, after a year or two or three years or 10 years, I'll be fine. I'll just go back to myself. There's nothing to go back to because there's a new self that has come about, right? So there's no going back to what you used to be or what you knew to be. It's different, right? So it, it just... Grief, bereavement, losing someone, losing something, it changes you in general. Your outlook on life, the way you choose to interact with people, the way you choose to perceive life, what life means in general, right? It absolutely changes you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Valerie. And yes, I did stand corrected. No loss is more important or let's say is tougher than the other mm-hmm. so thank you for being here with us and i'm sure our audience has learned so much from this thank you so much for having me and to anyone who's grieving at the moment i just would like to point out and to say that it is fine it is okay to feel whatever it is that you're feeling and help us out there when you feel like it's overwhelming, please seek help, right? We don't want it to become complicated. Please, please, I'm literally on my knees. Well, not literally, but <laughs> seek help, seek a professional to help you work through the roller coaster, to help you work through the complications of grieving. Yeah. Yes. Please reach out and stop trying to be strong. 
you know mm-hmm. <laughs> being strong doesn't pay be vulnerable mm-hmm. it's cool to be vulnerable it's okay to cry please cry <laughs> that's the new strength it takes a lot of strength to be vulnerable actually yeah. so. yes absolutely thank you so much Valerie thank you Thank you for listening to this episode of Imole. Please make sure you rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream your episodes. You can also send me emails about today's episode or anything related to mental health and spirituality through fanmail at imolethepod.com. Finally, please subscribe to the Imole newsletter to learn more about our episodes through the link in the episode notes. Thank you and see you on the next episode. This episode was produced by Aisha Salaudin, audio mixed by Lord Phil, and is distributed by Visual Audio Times. For more podcasts, visit visualaudiotimes.com.